0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today marks the 25th anniversary of Shakespeare in Love, which premiered on December 11th, 1998, before going on to upset Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture at the Oscars. I spoke to director John Madden when he visited Washington, D.C. to promote his political thriller, Miss Sloane, in 2016. Here with John Madden, director of no. Jessica Chastain's new movie, Miss Sloan. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you. Not that John Madden, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I'm sure he could draw some X's and O's here, but not right. that. We don't want the football thing going on. Um, all right, before we dive into the movie, because we want to do that. Um, Before we started, you mentioned that you had a little uh, history of radio yourself. Explain.
1: I do. I do. I I mean, actually, my career as a director began on uh, national public radio in this country because I came over here in 1975 to work on a a radio drama project that was funded by the Corporation of Public Broadcasting called EarPlay. And I'd been working at the BBC, and they wanted somebody to come over here and help build uh, a script base for this project and so uh, i and a guy called howard gelman uh, put together a kind of program of um, uh, playwrights really who were interested in working that medium and one of those plays which i directed was a play called wings by arthur copit was the first thing I ever directed on stage, You're asked to go and do it at Yale Drama School. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, but, <laughs> More wings, uh, that's, please. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, so I, 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 uh, that was the beginning of my career, really, as a director. How'd you shift from that into film? Uh, you know, I, I think a part of the way that I've come up through the business is to go from stage to radio. To television for a while and then into film. And I think each one of those transitions has informed the other one. I think radio has a huge amount in common with uh, film, as a matter of fact. Um, But, uh, you know, how the transition happened, uh, you know, in in career terms is a little harder to... You know, take up too much time. Yeah. yeah. Well, but before we move off that topic, though, what do what similarities did you you said radio and and obviously radio is theater of the mind and film is it but what are I would say in this respect I think rhythm of storytelling, uh, you know, that's a a huge part of what you do um, in a movie, and I think I learnt that very very thoroughly working on radio drama it's just how a narrative unfolds and what the pace of that narrative is and what the internal tensile strengths of it are and how you need to work with that it's also there's nothing between you and the actor uh which is a, a rule i've never forgotten the best special effect in the world is the human face uh or indeed the human voice and um uh, and i think i've i 've carried those lessons uh, forward, i suppose, into what i 've done but I, you know there are many many other things obviously that uh, um uh, divide and, and differentiate the two media, but but uh, I think there are a lot that that united as well. One thing that
0: it, that's different is that you we couldn't our listeners couldn't have told you just drank coffee. Man, that's the <laughs> that's the beauty of radio; they can't see what's going on. All right, let's dive into Miss Sloan. Um, obviously, um, you are you know you're well established at this point. You know Shakespeare and Love, everything else. Um, so, but so you can probably be a little more picky choosy in, in what projects you do. You got to really love it, probably. So um, I. Be- Take me into when you first read the script what you thought,
1: I believe it was on the, the blacklist, right? The, the great It wasn't on list. the blacklist when I read it, no, okay. it, was, it went on to the blacklist this year while we were actually producing and making the film. Okay. Um, you know, this is a very, very rare occurrence. It was a spec script that um, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I read it initially as a logline, and... Do you remember what the logline said? I think it was just a a portrait of a lobbyist um, uh, approaching uh, uh, gun regulation issue. It's a topic that kind of fascinates people in our country because I don't think we completely can get our heads around it and understand it, but it was just that in the first instance. And it's one of those very unusual things where... uh, uh, I simply read it in one sitting, which I think most people I've uh, you know, subsequently talked to about the script, notably everybody I cast in it, <laughs> uh, probably had a similar experience. Uh, it's got a tremendous kind of momentum uh, to it, but I, I, it was one of those ones where it uh, was not being sent to me exclusively. Uh, I think I was one of, I don't know, I, I've never quite discovered, say uh, <laughs> half a dozen or more, maybe a bit more, uh, uh, people at Film Nation who had optioned the script Sent it to, and I immediately uh, put my hand up and said, "Uh, my hat has to go into the ring for this immediately. It's just a very, very uh, compelling story. I mean, it it was the beginning of a journey with Johnny Pereira, who wrote it, and myself. We worked on it then for the next six months once I had got the gig. But it's very unusual material. Talk about, you said that you guys, you know, collaborated
0: for for that period of time. How much... um, did the finished version reflect the original, and how much did you like? What sort of things did you add that we see on screen might, were think, your contribution? I
1: think Johnny's uh, uh, um, uh, narrative is pretty intact, but only in terms of its overall shape. I think that what he, you know, he it's a, it's a first time script which is quite extraordinary, is it, given is, the level of achievement. This is his first script, it's, or the first producer? No, script? it's the first script. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I believe he told me there are a couple of other scripts that he hasn't dared
0: show. Right, 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 right. They're in a drawer, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but,
1: but, I mean, literally only wow. that. And, uh, you know, this is the first script he's put out there, and, and it got made. That's a very unusual story in Hollywood, though he's nothing to do with Hollywood, really. But... Um, uh, I would say it's to do with character. That's how it developed. Uh, there's, you know, the the movie, as you will learn when you talk to Jessica, which I think you're going to do in a moment, mm-hmm. uh, has this extraordinary, uh, unusual, and incredibly compelling character at its core. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the um, the eponymous heroine, you would say, Miss <laughs> Sloane, <laughs> Sloane, uh, uh, who whose journey I- in the film is very interesting. And I think the underpinning of all that, the emotional underpinning of all that, was something that Johnny had not really got into and mined completely. So, without it's a kind of movie you don't want to give the game away at all in terms of what's happening in it. But uh, you know, she's a ruthlessly focused professional mm-hmm. who drives everybody and everything at the speed that she needs to go. And at the same time, there's a sort of counterbalancing narrative which has to do with what's happening to her and who she is, really. That's quite an interesting dynamic to explore and, and uh, pretty fascinating to watch. I mean, she, she is a, a powerful and irresistible character, but also, you know, not without flaws and not without um, uh, complications. You know, morally and emotionally, yeah. um, and so it's interesting. Pill popping the, to stay awake and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't get your coffee. The, <laughs> as I take another sip. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's that. I mean, she's, yeah. a, she's something to behold. Yeah. It's, it's. You know, is one of the chief things that also attracted me to the material is I instantly saw Jessica in the role. She and I did a movie together uh, a number of years ago called The Debt and have been uh, looking for something to do together since then. And I wrote to her immediately and said, I think I've found <laughs> the one we might do. And, and she responded equally, uh, you know, instantly to the, to the material.
0: So casting her then was probably a no-brainer. If, if you, you're literally picturing her while you're reading it, yeah,
1: um, I think, it, I think it's, there's a particular reason for that. I mean, she has an extraordinary range as an actress. Uh, the, the, the part called for a level of technical skill in terms of verbal dexterity, and speed and ferocity, but also it called I could see and wanted it to have this flip side of that, which is there's a. A sort of fragility that Jessica always brings onto the screen as well and that seemed a very particular combination it's it was a magnificent fit although having said that uh you know Jessica can fit anything it's one of those Mm -hmm. extraordinary things about certain actors at a certain level that she has an amazing versatility but I I absolutely saw her in the role yeah
0: that's amazing. Are you sure it wasn't the line when it said, there's a little piece of dialogue that actually says tradecraft, and you're probably like, oh, yeah, Zero <laughs> Dark Thirty. <30." laughs> they use that in that, too. Um, is there, just while you're talking about her, you, you mentioned that you had a previous role with her and now this. Mm. Do you have a favorite role of hers that wasn't one you did?
1: Well, God, uh, you know, to be honest us. with God, you, so I've liked everything she's done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought she was a revelation in The Help. I thought she was extraordinary in Take Shelter. Uh, Zero Dart 30, obviously, I mean, she's never anything other than kind of riveting, I think, in whatever she does, um, but, and I, you know, I admire her ability to stretch herself, you know, she won't settle, uh, she's always looking for material that challenges, not just her, but I think audiences as well, and, uh, you know, I salute that. Definitely. Pretty sure that's J Lo. And PS, the person behind all of this is Chris Jenner LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday, so the fun never ends.
0: Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts, and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, you had mentioned that um, you'd mentioned that on across the pond, you guys uh, look at the gun issue here, and it's almost like, what are those Americans up to? You said that earlier. Um. What, why, why do you think that issue it draws you? I mean, there's even a line in there. What is it? Um, she says, My position was solidified sometime between Columbine and Charleston, but yes. and God knows, Sandy Hook and everything else in between, yes. and Virginia yes. Tech, and God, yeah, yeah, yada. Um, what, what, what do you think it is from an outsider's perspective that that just that our country is just are, are we just too far inside it? We can't see the forest for the trees, or what is it? I, I, I think it.
1: Look, it's you have some advantage, I suppose, standing outside it because you don't necessarily know what the circumstances that, that obtain are until you start to get really closely engaged in it. And I think one of the things I could say is that I understand a whole bunch better as, as a result of making this film mm-hmm. exactly why it's a unique issue over here. And it has to do with historical context and it has to do with the way... This nation sees itself and sees what its rights are and its its need to protect itself yeah. from from uh, overbearing government, of which, of course, we we are the chief uh, object of that. Yeah, thanks Star- for that, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you it's it's I think it, it's a matter of perspective, and one of the things I think is really. Uh, you know uh, something that'll be interesting about this film is it it lifts the lid on that issue a little bit for people without in any way being polemical the movie is not a polemic in any sense it's actually a, a, an incredibly interesting character study i think uh, a, a riveting story in a very particular context but it nevertheless gives you uh, gives, let's say, us, my countries, some insight into it, and and I think it's you've got to remember that we come from a situation where, where even policemen are not armed. I mean, yeah. slightly more so now, but you know, a truncheon is the most serious damage inflicting um, thing that a policeman carries around still to this day, unless they're on specific anti-terrorism duty or or, or um, you know, gas security duty yeah. or something. Um, and therefore, it's, and we have guns, obviously, and they are regulated, um, uh, you know, for sports and, and other pursuits and so forth. Uh, and so it's, it's hard initially to get your head into a place where you understand that people feel it is their right to have that for self-defense, mm-hmm. which I respect. Um so I suppose it's just it's a, just a very interesting topic. I think people in our country are very interested in it. Just watching it with sort of a fascination from afar. Uh-huh. Um
0: just on that same topic, you know, what sort of common sense measures do you think we could pass here?
1: Uh you know, really that's not for me to say. I mean, right. I think the film uh, uh, and I don't uh, would want to stress one thing that I think people might come to this movie expecting it to be a certain kind of a movie. Um possibly one that is uh, you know as I said earlier polemicized in some way it how do you me- make it not preachy you know well it, it, because it isn't really about yeah. that the Sorry. milieu of the film is that issue but actually you know the movie is about a lobbyist mm-hmm. and a lobbyist who is I would say, not representative, necessarily, <laughs> of that industry, uh, even though we researched all of this very, very carefully. But she's an extraordinary maverick figure. And I think you it's better to say that the film is about political process, actually. Um, and, you know, what it really is, is a thriller. It's, it's yeah. a political thriller, and it sure as hell, the one thing I could promise everybody about it is... It's not what you expect either in in the film as a whole or at any moment in the film where you think it's going. It has an extraordinarily pleasurable quality of surprising you uh, at every uh, juncture, I think. And so, you know, that was not the least of the reasons that I was attracted to the film uh, in the first place is that it's, you know, it's ambiguous, it's... Uh, Hugely surprising. It's an incredibly compelling story. It's an incredibly good ride. And along the way, it it shines a light on some very interesting aspects of the political process and, you know, shines a light on different aspects of a very contentious issue. I appreciate that and know that. Um, so any movie that's a whole bunch of things at once rather than uh, a movie that can be defined in terms of one narrow uh, definition I, I, I is a movie I want to see uh, and it has a longer life you know yeah I, think it, trapped in I time think it does issue, I think it does I think it does you know it's, the movie's funny it's exciting it's wholly unpredictable and it's and, Jessica and it's Jessica <laughs> in a, a killer role I yeah. mean just fantastic and you know that's that's what I think it has going for it. Definitely. You mentioned how you, it's a
0: you're cognizant of that audience ride, and you're always trying to you know surprise them. Um, that's even the line right They're on the poster. Make sure right. you surprise them. Yeah. How do you make sure you surprise them? Um, you know without. Tipping your hat with, you know, because as a director, it's sort of like, you're, you know, you're, you're the omniscient presence of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. You have the whole fatalistic idea of where it starts and ends. So you can drop little clues and teasers that you can catch I on the think- second. But how do you not blow your cover to it?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I think movies work in different ways. One thing an audience will always clobber you with is if they think the movie is predictable. Yeah. Uh, And I think it is a besetting sin at which uh, a certain kind of Hollywood orthodoxy, I would say, tends to enforce. Which is, you know, somebody once said to me, you know, how can you expect the audience to respond to it when they don't know what the movie is about at the beginning? And I would say, the point. <laughs> you don't want to know what the movie is about at the beginning. The movie will tell you what it's about. And that's there is a sort of idea that somehow you have to tell an audience what they're going to experience and then have them experience it, which seems wholly reductive yeah. of the idea of storytelling. So. Um, Especially a thriller. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I think that the core of this is an incredibly compelling character and that uh, a movie, to some extent, takes its point of view from the character that drives the story. Of course, just to say one other thing, usually in a lot of movies that character is a man. And actually the kind of... um, the kind of way this character functions in the story, you probably would be more familiar as a kind of movie had that person been a man, because she's a maverick, she's a a breaker of rules, she's a pusher of envelopes, she drives the whole story at an incredible uh, pace and and with a kind of passionate force. It's very unusual to see that, actually, um, in a woman. Although you know we're riding the crest of a wave, I think this year where there are a whole slew of really interesting female roles, and um, yeah, and so you know I'm very happy to be a part of that. But I, it's not really to answer your question. I mean, you, you have to the the key to all of this is the script. Right. Uh, I am usually meticulously involved in every aspect of the script with the writer. I the writer sits right alongside me as the kind of chief creative architect of the of the film. I don't take any credit for the writing, but I'm heavily involved in it with the writer, if they will allow that, uh, because that you have to make the blueprint of mm-hmm. the film on the on the page, really, and then every actor understands the role that they play in that process, um, and. Um, you know it's just you have to stress test the movie very very carefully in terms of where are you unconsciously repeating yourself where are the audience getting ahead of you in a way that is not helpful or desirable where they're tapping their feet waiting for a development that they can see coming and so forth Um, you know that's disciplined really carefully thought out uh, smart writing and I think this movie's got that in spades Oh, absolutely. You mentioned that um, you set out
0: to, and succeeded, in my view, making a, a political thriller here in Washington, D.C. There's some cool sites, you know, like the, the Watergate and Kennedy Center. You see all kinds of cool sites just yeah. as a D.C. guy. It's even an yeah. extra treat for our listeners here. <laughs> um, but um, it's funny. Uh, they, they just did a—Bob Woodward just had a 40th anniversary screening of uh, All the President's Men down at uh, the Washington West Film Festival just this past weekend. We got Sorry. to see him talk afterwards. but. Right. Is it? Was there a movie like that or or, or Parallax View or anything Just, yet? You've named
1: two, okay. to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, All the President's Men was, totally blew me away when I first saw that. Parallax View was and remains one of my favorite movies. Um, and, you know, I think this film sits in that tradition. Uh, uh, at least I would hope it would. Uh, you know, there are a couple of... Clear nods, which I won't mention, <laughs> um, but but um, you know, I don't actually set about making movies, uh, uh, you know, by way of referencing oh, other movies. After, yeah. But I think that they are movies that uh, you know one of the things I really love about America is that political engagement is very very noticeable here, particularly amongst the young, as they start to you know get really really passionately engaged in an issue or a campaign. Uh, I find that kind of thrilling to watch. I mean, literally thrilling to watch. That's the real thriller. (laughs) It is. uh, You know, this movie has a lot of that in it. There's uh, uh, Jessica's character has a team of people who work with her. And I think a lot of people are going to identify with that working for a leader they believe in um even though in this case rather an, an unusual one but um uh but yeah I, there is definitely a salute to that kind of movie i i i i like movies that are smart i like movies that take me into a world that i don't know or understand or have necessarily seen i think this I don't know how many movies there have been that have been made about the lobbying industry, right, yeah. which per se might not be the most fascinating industry to behold, but when you've got a character like this actually operating in that space, it's riveting, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I, uh, any movie that's set in and around D.C. or any story that's set in or around D.C., I'm usually a kind of sucker for. Awesome. Well, I know we got the, the signal,
0: so... Uh, Congrats on the film. Congrats on Jessica and everything. Um, you know, final seconds. Um, we're almost 20 years, right? Shakespeare in Love. Um, uh, almost yeah, I mean, 98. Almost. Um, just real quick memories of of Gwyneth and Judy and, and the whole. Or sorry, Dame Judy. Um, just that whole
1: wild ride. You know, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight. Well. Uh, sort of described the words very well, I mean described the experience very well. It was a wild ride, I mean it was one of those movies you had, the only baggage we had going into it was that everybody said you can't make a movie like that, you can't make a movie with the word Shakespeare in the title <laughs> and expect people to come and see it. You, that. <laughs> uh, you can't make a movie about show business, they never work. Um, uh, it was a whole bunch of things. It was an incredibly challenging film to make because it was straddling tonally two different things. It was like at one level a, a wild farce and at another level a kind of romantic, poetic uh, drama, I suppose. And you know, uh, I, I was blessed with obviously with an, an extraordinary cast who who uh, were. You know, Gwyneth always used to talk about the fact that she was the only person who was not steeped in that language, although, of course, she comes from a, a theatrical background and had, you know, been around Shakespeare a good part of her life. But, um, you know, that, it was one of those ones where you thought, are we getting this right? Are we, is anybody going to be interested in this other than the, those of us making it? Um, and I had, I remember the experience of seeing it, you know, we did the usual routine of, Of putting it in front of a research audience. And I, you know, I've directed in the theatre a lot. um, And that's an unmistakable sense you get if a movie is communicating with and holding an audience. It was just fantastic to watch. And I felt quietly uh, encouraged um, that we would have a chance of playing with an audience. The rest of it was beyond anybody's wildest dreams. So we didn't know that we would. Uh, connecting quite the way that it did. Well, one-off, one-off experience, you know. Yeah. Well, if this Miss Loan has half the
0: acclaim as that one, I think you'll be doing something. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate Thanks. you joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.